One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As part of Black History Month and to mark our 25th anniversary of campaigning for equality in football, we commissioned a play on the life and legacy of the iconic footballer and trailblazer, Laurie Cunningham. As part of this, we hosted a panel event at the Marcus Garvey Library in Haringey, North London, where Laurie grew up. Now, the quality of the recordings are not great, but as they are such important conversations, we wanted you to hear them. So, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome up now uh, ex-Tottenham and England defender, Ledley King. He's got middle, centre-back's always in the middle, yeah. Um, delighted to have with us Rennie Hector, who defected from Tottenham, but we won't say too much about that. Now with Charlton Women, so Rennie Hector, come and join us. Right side or left side? Right side. Right side and centre back. Um, and first public, official public appearance, I'm going to say this is, uh, for Sanjay Bandari, who's the new chair of Kick It Out. So welcome to the Please treat him nicely. His yeah. first official press conference is not... See, look, look, all the cameras coming out already. <laughs> first official press conference is not until next week. Thank you very much for being with us. Um, there's some unique stories to be told from all three of our panellists now um, as we look back into the life of Laurie Cunningham and look into the present day. Sanjay, I suppose I'm going to start with you because, again, you watched the play last night. Yep. Um, and I'd like a, a story or an extract or something that resonated with you in terms of what you watched. Yeah, actually, it's a really personal story with, with Laurie Cunningham and the play brought a lot of memories for me so I was born in 1968 which is not very important except it was a few days before Man United won the European Cup uh, but it was also the year when Enoch Powell made his Rivers of Blood speech and I'm from Wolverhampton and he was my local MP and the amount of times that I was a kid at school and being told to go home or that Enoch was right that was a trope through all of my childhood uh, so Laurie Cunningham was not just a hero for black footballers and for black people. You know, you remember, this is a time, the early 1970s, when uh, we would run to the TV on a Sunday morning because there was an Asian face on the telly with Nizindagi Najib, and that was our weekly magazine. If there, you know, Lenny Henry on New Faces in the mid-1970s, again, we'd run to the TV because there's a non-white face on the TV, and Cyril... Laurie and Brendan were all in that category. So, and Laurie was the best of all of them, you know. So, as a, as a kid, you know, you can't. I don't think you can't be what you can't see. And when we see Laurie on a on TV, and actually being a brilliant footballer, it wasn't just that he was a pioneer. 
when you when you talk and for the younger people who, who maybe never saw Laurie Cunningham play, um, I'll give you two stories. So I, I recently saw Arsene Wenger speak, and he said that the likeness of foot is close to God. And he was talking about Thierry Henry, Robert Perez, Mark Overmars. Alex Ferguson said that when he first saw Ryan Giggs play, it was like watching a whippet chase a bag of crisps, an empty crisp packet across a park. Because his feet hardly touched the ground. And that was what Laurie Cunningham was. So if you never saw him play as a kid, because you're, you're young and he was before your time, Think Thierry Henry, think Ryan Giggs. He was that level of grace and he was that good at football. Ledley, your career is well documented. Um, still think you retired too early, though. Do you like that? Is the news. Still. Yeah. <laughs> um, as a black person growing up, aiming to become a professional footballer yourself, what did the name, sort of significance in the name Laurie Cunningham, what, what did it mean to you? Well... Laurie, uh, Cyril and Brendan were, were a little bit before my time uh, in terms of players, but you know, I, I remember the sense of pride that my family had in in talking about these guys playing playing the game. You know, these were the first first guys, the pioneers um, for, for for black people. You know, for, for for my family to sit in front of a TV and be proud and say these guys represent us. Um, so when I started, for me, it took someone that came from my area of East London where I grew up for me to say, if he can do it, I can do it. And that's what Laurie would have done for the Ian Wrights, the John Barnsies, the guys that come before me that now have allowed me to come in and have the career I had. But again, because of people like Laurie, you know, um, my path was a lot, of e- a lot easier. I remember sitting there and it was racist, there was racism around me, sitting there as a ten-year-old, and it got to the point where I used to hope there was no black players playing on the pitch. You know, as a ten-year-old, because I, you know, I didn't want to be hearing some of the things I was hearing. And uh, I remember <laughs> Uriah Rennie was the referee. Yeah. There was no black players, and then the referee came out, and he was black, and I thought, <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny now, but you know, as a ten-year-old, it hurt. Yeah, it hurt. Rene. You have a particular story. Um, some of us will know. I'm not quite sure most of us will know. Um, so I'm hoping that you're able to share your experience from last season um, with the audience. Ledley's just said, obviously, that we've still got a way to go. And I think your experience in the women's game will probably highlight that we do still have a, a, a very long way to go. It was last season, but it was actually in January of this year. I played for Tottenham at that, at that time, and we was playing against Sheffield United um, away. And what happened was we went up for a corner. So Tottenham had a corner and um, my captain was, was blocking the player that was marking me so I could have a, a free run round to the back post. I managed to get there and as I went to jump to try and head the ball in the goal, um, the player that was supposed to be marking me sort of made monkey noises in my ear. And I sort of, at this time I was on the floor because I tried to head the ball and I'd fallen on the floor and I sort of, I got up and I thought, did that, did that actually just happen? Like, I was so in shock. So obviously this is the first time that I think there was a racist incident on the pitch in women's football um, that has been that has been documented or reported anyway. And I thought, did I really just hear that? And my teammate, she actually called it out to the referee because she'd heard it as well. 
So she started shouting, ref, why are they allowed to make animal noises at our players? Like, why is she allowed to make a monkey noise? And the ref, obviously, this, this is actually um, the ref's first game at that level. So this was her first game ever refereeing at semi-professional level. And it was just before half-time, so obviously, naturally, as a centre-back, I quickly sprinted back to where I had to be, done the rest of my job for the, for the next minute or so. Um, and then, obviously, at half-time, um, I reported it to the ref, along with my teammate, who had heard it. Obviously, because the ref hadn't heard it, she just sort of said, well, I'll listen out for it, but unfortunately, I, I didn't hear it. Yeah, so as I said, initially, I was just completely in shock. I didn't, I didn't even react to it. I, I feel like I didn't have time to react to it. And then I think it, it really sunk in when I was in the changing rooms because the whistle literally went a minute after the incident. Um, so at that moment, I was walking into the changing room and I was, I was sort of saying to the ref... It was sort of similar. Um, if you watched the England-Bulgaria match and you saw Tyro Mings in the, in the camera saying, did you just hear that? It was sort of like... That, that's sort of the, the space that I was in as I was walking in towards the changing rooms. And my mum was actually standing sort of by the goal and we was walking past and I told her and I could see on her face instantly there was just pure anger and she said make sure you report that but I think it really sunk in when I when I sat down in the changing rooms and I think pure pure rage sort of came over me and I was just sort of walking around I didn't really know what to do with myself I was saying oh my god did I did you hear that? This girl's just made monkey noise at me. I couldn't believe it. My coaches were trying to calm me down. Me as well as a person. I, ha I do have a little bit of a temper, I must say. Um, so I just, I just couldn't believe it. So my second reaction was anger. And then my third reaction, because nothing could be done about it at that particular moment in time, um, if the referee hadn't heard it, can't send her off, simple as. And my third reaction was to go out and have the best second half of football I've ever played in my life after the match ended I wanted people I wanted people to know I needed people to know because it's unacceptable um, and it needed to be called out for what it was um, so I sent out a tweet and I didn't realise how, how big how it would get, it get yeah. yeah but now I don't think it, I don't think that's enough anymore I think that it's getting to the point now where players have to come off the pitch one of the things that I think we need to do is to stoke people out of any sense of complacency that, yeah, this is better than 40 years ago. It is, but we have to bank that. It can still get worse. And it is definitely a spike on the rise. Yeah, so after that tweet, as I said before, I didn't, I didn't expect it to, to get so big and, and explode like it did. Um, and obviously some of the, the news channels picked up on it um, and, they, and they sort of posted articles of them for themselves. Um, and... Some of the comments were just unbelievable. Obviously, the majority, I have to say, eight or nine out of ten of, of people, um, their support was amazing. Instead, there was people commenting, telling me that I was a liar, didn't happen, playing the race card, I'm trying to get myself ahead, a lot about my appearance. Yeah, if I'm honest, it, it, was, it was an awful period of time. My mum has always been very fiercely protective over me. Um, I grew up in a predominantly white area, I mean, North Hertfordshire and from Stevenage. Um, so, Lewis Hamilton country, right? Yeah, Lewis Hamilton, Ashley class. Young, yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all from two minutes away from me, yeah. Um, but in my school, um, I think I was the only mixed, I was the only mixed race girl in my school. Uh, not in my school, sorry, in my school year. Um, 
and I, I had issues at school with the, <coughs> with the boys, obviously, as, a, as one of the only black females there that also wanted to play football. football yeah. That was just a, a recipe for disaster at school. So I got, I got picked on quite a lot and, and sort of got, got called similar names as what, what I've mentioned before mm. um, there. And, and my mum was that mum that would march down to the school, <laughs> bang the doors down and, re, you know, want to report it to the police and, and all this stuff because... Because she wanted to protect me like yeah. like any mother would, and so it was a tough time because I think it was the one time that she couldn't help me. Yeah. Um, she felt sort of completely helpless. Um, obviously, as as a mum, I would imagine seeing your baby girl um, hurt and upset, knowing there's nothing you can do about it. Um, I'm sure it's really really <coughs> tough to deal with. Um, Especially sort of for the first week or two. I think for the first week, I, d I don't think I left my bedroom. Okay. Um, and I'm, we've always sort of been a get up and go um, kind of people. And and she found it difficult. And sometimes I walk downstairs, I'd catch her crying and and stuff like that. And in all honesty, I think it, it hurt her just as much, if not if not more than me, um, more than what it hurt me. Um, <coughs> Because as well, my, my mum brought me up as sort of a single mum. Uh, my dad left when I was five, so it's just sort of been me and her. Um, my sister's much older than me, so she's sort of got her own family and that. But, um, um, but yeah, it, it was really difficult for the people around me, definitely, because I've always sort of been an, an outgoing and confident person. Um, and that got completely stripped away from me. Um, and it's only actually taken me until now to go, no, do you know what, something's not right. Um, and I need a bit of help. It's taken me this long um, to get to to get to that space. So, so yeah, it was difficult, but hopefully we're we're on the up from here. Kick it out! Campaigning for equality in football for 25 years. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, folks. I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 